0: Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. What's up, Christ Walk? It's a little quiet in here. I think maybe we didn't get some background music or something. I know. Can you guys make some noise? Can we like raise up the energy level just a little bit? There's like a creepy guy like trying to break through the screen. We don't know what's happening. Back there, that's our old man trying to get back at us, the old way of life, and we're trying to get away from that in here this morning. So if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, I wanna invite you or encourage you to swipe with me or turn with me. Um, to the New Testament. In case you're unaware, the Bible's divided up into these two large sections of Scripture. You got the Old Testament towards the front of the Bible, and then you have the New Testament towards the back of the Bible. And we're gonna be in the New Testament today in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. That's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. We've got several scriptures that we're going to cover, but the majority of what we're going to talk about today will be right there in that letter to the Romans in chapter 7. So we're going to land there Momentarily, so you can just keep your finger there ready to go. So, today we're in part two of a series that we are calling Creature of Habits. And it's all about figuring out how we can develop some new habits. That if if we're going to be uh, the kind of people that live our lives for the sake of the kingdom, then that means that we've got to lay some old habits to rest. We've got to then build up some new habits instead. And so, uh, um, a lot of times when we think about habits, particularly in the church world or the church circle, we think about like regular church attendance and Bible reading and prayer and fasting. And those are all great habits to develop. Those are all uh, 100% integral to the life of a growing believer in Christ. But for our purposes during this series, those are not the habits that we are talking about. Instead, we're talking about how we can develop some uh, instead of outward habits like those are, to develop some inward habits in terms of our beliefs and our behaviors that can allow us to lay that old man, that old way of life to rest so that we can step in to the new life that Christ has called us to live after we become believers in him. And I believe that as we do that, and as we lay that old man to rest and we step into that new life that Christ has for us, that 2020 can be our best year yet. Is anybody with me in the house this morning? I want 2020 to be my best year yet. And so this whole series is it's really based on a scripture um, that Paul wrote to in his second letter to the church in Corinth, um, something that he said there, and it's uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, where he said, chapter 5, there we go, chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone, anyone, guess what that means? That means all of you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so we talked about last week how that doesn't mean that, that God just comes into our life and cleans up our old self. No, like we're transformed. We are made completely, 100% a new creature, a new creation altogether. Whenever we step into a relationship with Jesus... And last week we talked about the difference between regret and repentance and how living a life of sin by doing things our own way instead of doing things God's way that it will always lead us to a place of regret. And And if you and I, if we refuse to repent of that old way of living, which means to to let go of it, to turn away and move in the other direction, if we refuse to do that, then we're going to get stuck in this vicious cycle over and over and over of sin, regret, sin, regret, sin, regret, that's ultimately going to lead us to death and destruction, But when we choose to step into repentance, then we can experience the true freedom that is afforded to us through life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So today, we're going to talk about the difference between condemnation versus conviction. Condemnation versus conviction. And for a lot of people, this can be one of the most difficult part of stepping into a relationship with Jesus Christ, because despite accepting him and despite being given freedom and and, and forgiveness from our sins, from our past, from our old way of living, we tend to hold on to the guilt and the shame of who we were prior to faith in Christ. And as a result, we will allow the enemy to crush us beneath the weight of that guilt and shame. Maybe you've dealt with this kind of struggle in your own life. For whatever reason, you've been unable to fully embrace what God has in store for your life because you've bought into the lie that that somehow that that your, your old way of living has disqualified you from becoming the person that God wants you to be that he's called you to be and the good news though if, if, if you feel that way number one you need to know that you're not alone and number two you need to know that this isn't some kind of new struggle that people have experienced in fact when we go all the way back to the very beginning of time when God created this same struggle appeared We've got Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Maybe some of you know this story. You go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, those opening chapters. It's telling the creation story, and, and God creates man and woman, and he places them in the garden. And, and, and so they're there in the Garden of Eden, and, and they're meeting with God in the cool of the evening. And, and that just lets us know that God doesn't like hot weather, right? Because he's coming to meet with them in the cool of the evening, um, so Adam and Eve are there, and, and they have all of their needs that are taken care of, and they have all the food that they could want, and there's, there's no fear, and, and they're, they're naked. Amen. Can I get an amen from some married couples in the house this morning? And they're together, and they're just enjoying what? They're just enjoying being together and in relationship with one another and in relationship with their heavenly Father, and everything is perfect. And the Bible tells us that, that God places a tree of, of life and then a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden, and he tells Adam, he says, you can eat from any tree in the garden that you want to, but you can't eat from this one. Don't eat the fruit of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. And it was Adam's responsibility to pass that along to Eve to let her know the word of the Lord what had been what had been declared and and so then Eve is one day she's out in the garden and and the serpent comes to deceive her and convinces her that that she actually does need to disobey that she does need to partake of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so she does and then and then she goes to her husband and she gives him some and 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 both of them are deceived by the, their enemy the devil and so they both eat of the fruit of that tree that they were told not to eat of and then at once they realized that they were naked and they felt full of shame and then later that evening in the cool breezes when god comes to walk with them and to commune with them and meet from meet with them the the bible tells us that adam and eve they they hid from him because they were ashamed And it's this pattern that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden that continues in our lives today. We choose to do things our way instead of doing things the way God tells us, instead of doing things his way. And then that brings in guilt and shame. And then because of that guilt and shame, we start thinking, we buy into the lie that God wants nothing to do with us, right? But think about it. God knew that Adam and Eve had sinned against Him, But yet he came to the garden anyways because he wanted to be with them. If he didn't wanna be with them, he wouldn't have showed back up in the garden. He just would have said, nope, you messed it up. It's over, it's done with, you're out. But that's not what he did. He came to be with them in the garden and to meet with them there in the middle of their sin and to help them With it. He made clothes for them. He provided a way. See, God sees us in our sin, but He still desires a relationship with us in spite of that, just because we're His children and He loves us. And we fast forward all the way to the New Testament and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That's the love that he has for us. And listen to what the Bible says about God's forgiveness. When we step into his forgiveness, this is what it says in Hebrews. In chapter eight, verse 12, it says, and I, talking about God, I will forgive their wickedness, their sin, and I will never again remember their sins. That's how God looks at us when we step into the forgiveness and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ that was poured out on the cross that God forgives us and he doesn't even remember what we did when he looks at us through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's so difficult for us to wrap our head around this scripture and the reason is, is because we can remember, right? We can remember the things that we've done that are in line with God's plan for our lives. And try as we might, no matter what we do, we can't forget. It seems like the things that we want to forget more than anything is some of the only stuff that we can remember sometimes, and every time we try to take a step forward in our relationship with Christ to become more of who he's called us to be, to become, to become more like what he wants us to be, then the enemy will rush in and be super quick to bring up all that junk from our past. And so instead of us taking one step forward, we end up taking two steps backward. We find ourselves in the midst, the the struggle, of condemnation in our lives. but The good news is, is that the Bible provides us with a solution when it comes to dealing with the guilt and shame from the condemnation of our past. And that's what Paul is talking to the people in Rome in his letter to the Romans. He writes in chapter seven, starting with verse 21. You can follow along and your Bible, is gonna be here on the screen. Romans chapter seven, verse 21, Paul says this. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Moving forward, verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So when you and I, what Paul is saying here is that when you and I, when we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that old life goes away, that new, that new way of living comes upon us, and then what happens is, is there's not just a transformation in our person, there's a transformation in our desires. And so our desire to sin changes. By surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we're choosing to live our lives God's way instead of our own way. And the problem is that despite the fact that we have a new desire within us to no longer sin, the dynamic for sin, the motivation for sin still is present because of this, because of our flesh, Right? So we have this new desire. We have the want to up here. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to do what is pleasing for you. I want to surrender to you. But then because of our flesh, that old man, that old way of living continues to, to rise up and want to want to take control. And so what happens is, is we, we literally get placed in a tug of war. And we're constantly being pulled in two different directions from the life that we want to live, the, the, the desire that we now have to live for Jesus, but, but then the struggle of overcoming the flesh, and we're pulled back and forth. And, and Paul says, even though, even though I know that these are the things that, that I should be doing and the things that I want to do, I end up constantly, inevitably doing the very opposite. And it's back and forth back and forth, and our belief is saying yes to the things of God, but our behavior often says something quite different, and that's the tension. That's the tension that we feel, and whenever that tension arises, and and whenever we miss the mark, whenever we fall, whenever we fail, We start to think that God hates us because even though we want to live in a way that honors him, we just can't seem to do it. We just can't seem to do it. And that's condemnation. But according to Paul, the line between condemnation and conviction is what he says, the thank God, the the answer, the solution, the hope that we have is Jesus Christ Christ our lord. Jesus Christ our lord. Romans 6:23 Paul writes this. He says, "For the wages of sin is death." But the free gift of God is eternal life through who? Christ Jesus our lord. See, he's pointing us right there. We go all the way back to the gospels. And in the Gospel of John, a very, very well-known couple of verses right here, um, especially the first one, John 3, 16 and 17. John writes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, right there, that is the answer. God's only son Jesus. And in verse 17, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So here's the deal. Because of our sin, you and I deserve to die. We deserve a penalty. We deserve to be punished because of our sin. But because of Jesus, we've been pardoned. We don't have to pay that penalty. We don't have to arrive at the point of death because of our sin. And it's all because of the work of Jesus. And God didn't send Jesus here to condemn us or to pronounce judgment upon us because of our sins. Instead, Jesus came to be the payment, to be the sacrifice for our sin that the law requires. And so when that happens, Paul continues on as as we transition from Romans 7 to 8. Here's what happens when we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and we allow him to be the payment for the penalty or the punishment of our sin. Here's what happens in Romans chapter 8. Paul says, so now, everybody say now. now. There is no condemnation for those who belong To Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads. To death. We no longer have to worry about the penalty, the punishment of death, because there's no condemnation. And, and through the work of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit has set us free from the power of sin that leads to death. Verse 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in a body like the body we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. See the transformation that's taken place? The the desire for sin has turned into a desire to to honor God with our lives. And and so the transformation that's taken place is that we no longer follow after our sinful nature. Instead, we follow after the Spirit. So what Paul is saying here in this passage, right here at the beginning of of chapter 8 in Romans, is that We're all guilty, yes. We're all guilty. And in fact, he writes about it previously in Romans 3.23 where he says that that every one of us has sinned. And so Paul is saying that, that we are all guilty for sure. Maybe some of us have told a lie. Maybe we've stolen a candy bar. Maybe we've let a cuss word or two slip out. We've had an affair. We've cheated on our taxes. We've gotten a DUI. We've gotten pregnant out of wedlock. The list could go on and on and on. And condemnation will tell us that even though we've been forgiven of those things in Jesus, that we still deserve to be penalized for those sins, for those things from our past but once you and I believe on Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is no longer any penalty for us in regard to our sins. We are no longer condemned. That's what Paul's saying. Yes, you are guilty. But once you cross that threshold, once you step into that relationship with Jesus, you are no longer condemned unto death. Now, what he doesn't say is, Go and sin as much as you want. It's not what he says. Romans 6.1, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? No. And also what he doesn't say is that the consequences of our sin go away because that's not true either. That's not true either. Consider this, Adam and Eve all the way back there in the Garden of Eden They didn't follow God's plan for their life, and so they ended up getting expelled from the garden. Eve had to endure painful childbirth, and thus every woman thereafter since the beginning of time. Adam was forced to engage in hard labor to produce fruit from the earth, and that's where weeds and thorns and thistles come from. Because of his sin, there were consequences to their sins. That affair that you had, it could cause your spouse not to trust you. It could end up leading to a divorce. There's consequences to our sin. Cheating on our taxes could result in jail time. There's consequences that come along with our sin. Getting a DUI could cause us to lose our license and have to pay hefty fines and court costs. Getting pregnant outside of wedlock may bring on the difficulty of raising a child as a single parent. There are consequences that we are going to have to face for our sin, but we do not have to pay the penalty of death because there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus came on the scene and he paid the penalty once and for all. Said and done, period, for you and for Me, The consequences don't go away, but the penalty of death has gone away because Jesus became death so that we could have life. So anytime that that you feel as if you're not good enough, that you're not whatever enough because of your past mistakes, you need to know that is not the voice of God in your life any time that voice inside your head wants to remind you of who you used to be and what you did last year or what you did last month or what you did last week or what you did last minute, that's not the voice of God in your life because there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The devil condemns God convicts. God convicts. And how does he do this? Paul tells us in Romans 8, 4, right here. The spirit. The spirit. That's how God convicts us. Because we're no longer condemned when we, when we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ. We're no longer, we're no longer uh, held to the penalty of our former sins. We're no longer condemned for those things. And a transformation takes place. And now we're able to live in accordance with the Spirit. And so that's how Paul convicts us. Or, or that, that's how Paul says that, that, that God convicts us is through the Holy Spirit. See, prior to faith in Christ, you and I, were, we were incapable of tuning in to the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit was, was drawing us to him, but, but we were incapable of tuning in and living a life that was pleasing unto God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's kind of, uh, I, I think about it in my mind like, like trying to play a CD on a record player. Or like trying to put a cassette tape in an 8-track. Some of the millennials in the room are like, what's an (laughs) 8-track? Like they've heard of records, that's cool again. 8-track, they're like, be glad you don't know what it is. It wasn't cool. The first car that that I remember that my parents had when I was born, it had an 8-track in the dash. I still don't get it. Still don't get it. But That's kind of what it would be like like trying to play a CD on a record player, like, like that's, that's us trying to live our life in accordance with the Spirit before Jesus Christ. But when we step into that relationship with Jesus, a transformation takes place. God transforms us into a new creation that, that is now able to follow after the heart of God because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. And when the Holy Spirit comes on this scene, Things changed drastically. Things changed drastically. So whenever we step into faith in Jesus, we're not able to receive the Holy Spirit. And everything changes at that moment. John writes about it in his gospel in a couple different places. One of those is, is John 16 verse 8 where he says this, And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will What's that word? Convict. That's what he's come to do. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And when I think of convict, like this isn't the official definition. This is, this is Pastor Blake's definition. It's, it's simply to point something out, often in terms of misalignment or in wrongdoing. And so when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, he's going to point out to the world its sin. He's going to point out God's righteousness. He's going to point out the coming judgment. And what those things mean is is that, that he's going to point out the world's sin. And the world's sin is their unbelief in Jesus. He's going to point out, hey... If you don't have Jesus in your life, the end result is death. And he's gonna point that out in people's life as he draws them unto himself so that they can step into this new life in Christ and be transformed into this new creation so that they too can live a life in accordance with the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding and directing them to who God has called them to be. He's gonna point out God's righteousness. He's going to point out this word right here that shows us this is the standard for living. He's going to point that out. And, and when we miss the mark, the Holy Spirit is going to come in and he's going he's gonna to point that out in our lives. Hey, you're not living according to the standard There's some things that that you can do better in. Let me help you. Let me show you. Let me point you in the direction of those things. And then the third thing he's going to do is he's going to point out the coming judgment. Now, this is not a reference to our judgment because remember, for those of us in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. What he's pointing out is the fact that because Jesus came and died on the cross, that Satan is already judged He's already been defeated and that the day is coming that once and for all, we are going to be released from the grip of the power of sin and death that grabs onto these mortal bodies and we are going to meet him in the air and then we will be truly transformed, truly changed and we will be in heaven with our heavenly father forever and ever and ever. And so what what he's coming to do is to point out This is the problem, is that you don't believe in Jesus. And for those of you that believe in Jesus, this is the problem, that you're not living according to God's standard. And and this is what I need to remind you of, is that you've already won. When you step into Jesus, Satan has already been defeated. He doesn't have power over you anymore. That's what he's come to point out. In chapter 14, John says this. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he's gonna teach us what this word says and how to live it out. And when we don't, he's gonna remind us of what this word says and how to live it out. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for, to lead and to guide and direct. I, I, a lot of times I, I think of it kind of like a like a GPS system, right? And you you punch up, punch in the address, and maybe it's on your phone, or maybe you're old school, you got like one of those big old like like garmin cubes like stuck to the you know suction cup on your on your windshield, you know, and it's there you plug in the address of this is where i am and this is where i'm trying to get and and then and then the gps it it teaches you how to get there right and and if you if you miss a turn or if you get off course it just says recalculating at the next possible you know inter- at the next intersection make a u turn or whatever and it constantly like it's constantly working to get you on the course, to get you from where you are to where you need to be. Notice what the GPS doesn't do. Whenever you punch in those coordinates, you punch in that address on the GPS, the GPS doesn't say, you idiot. You've been to that place four times already. What do you mean you don't know how to get there yet? How stupid could you be? When you're driving along and and you miss a turn or whatever, the GPS doesn't say, you moron. How could you do that? We're never going to get there now. No. You punch in the address and the GPS shows you the little blue line. You stay on that little blue line and you'll get to where you're going. If you miss a turn, the GPS just says, hey, you missed a turn. It recalculates. It figures out a new way. Maybe it's a U-turn. Maybe you take this road instead of the the one previously or whatever. But it's always working. Don't you see? It's always working to get you to the original destination that you set out to get to in the first place. It's not condemning you. It's helping you. It's encouraging you. It's teaching you. It's showing you even when you don't get it right, hey, try back over here. Solomon wrote about it in Proverbs. He said this My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those that he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. See, the GPS, what it does is it shows you the relationship between where you are and where you're headed. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and shows you where you are and where you need to be. And he just provides some course correction. Because he hates you? No. Because he loves you. He wants you to get there. He wants you to make it to the place that you're trying to get to. That's all conviction is. It's the Holy Spirit coming in to just make some course corrections. Hey, turn left. Go this way. Do this. Stay away from that. There's danger ahead. So that you get to where you're supposed to be in the most efficient and effective manner possible. That's conviction. It's what God sent the Holy Spirit for. So I told you that we were gonna talk about the difference between condemnation and conviction today. And if I haven't spelled it out clearly enough, maybe three main differences. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Something to keep in your back pocket, something to to think through, something to just kind of lay over your life and see like, where does my life add up? Am I developing the habit of condemnation in my life, or am I developing the habit of what it means to be a person of conviction? So, the difference between condemnation and conviction is this number one, condemnation focuses on your past, conviction focuses on your future. Condemnation focuses on your past, conviction focuses on your future. Number two, condemnation says you should have done better. But conviction says you can do better. Condemnation says you should have, how dare, I can't believe. You should have done better than this. And conviction says, hey, that's okay. You can do better. And here's the way. The third one. Condemnation underscores the problem. It places its focus on our sin and the fact that we'll never live up. But conviction underscores the solution. It places its focus on our Savior and the fact that we don't have to live up. Condemnation focuses on our past. Conviction, conviction focuses on our future. Condemnation says you should have done better, but conviction says you can do better. Condemnation underscores the problem, our sin, and that we'll never live up. Conviction underscores the solution, our savior, and that we don't ever have to live up. So we close this morning. I'm gonna talk about this particular passage more next week. But I thought it a fitting way for us to close out the service for today. Paul's words in Romans chapter five, verses eight and nine, where he says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, that's something that's continued all the way since the garden of Eden. Even though we're in our sin, God still wants to be with us because he loves us and we are his children. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So when the devil wants to point the finger at your sin, you just point the finger at your savior. When the devil wants to come in and and bring up your shortcoming, you just bring up the cross. When the devil wants to remind you of who you used to be, you remind him of who you're becoming, who you're going to be. Yeah, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. I'm not where I'm gonna be, but I'm a whole lot further along than where I used to be. See how God is working in me. And for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation from our past. He's making us every single day as we submit and surrender to him. He is making us new. That is the promise that you and I have today from God's word. And so if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, that sounds pretty awesome. I'd kind of like to have a relationship with Jesus like that. I'd like to have some of that in my life with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, I'm tired of living under the pressure, the strain, the weight of the guilt and shame of my past, the, the condemnation of my adversary the devil and today I'm ready to step into new life in Jesus Christ and become that new creation and no longer be a person driven by condemnation but instead be a person that is driven by the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. Today I'd like to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I wanna surrender my life today once and for all. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Just put it up, put it right back down all over this house. What they do is just stick it up. You're just identifying yourself to God. You're just going to put it right back down. If that's you today. Can we pray this prayer together? Prayer's going to be on this TV right here if you need to follow along. But can we just pray this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus, and his way, the rest of my life, amen. When the devil comes in to beat you over the head with condemnation of your sins, all you need to do is rest in the victory that comes through the love of Jesus Christ. His love never fails. His love never gives up. His love never runs out. It is through his love that your debt and my debt, our debt was paid. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there is no longer any condemnation but only life that is lived in accordance with the Holy Spirit at work in us. So all over this house, can we just stand together? we prepare our hearts to enter into worship? The band's getting ready to come. They're gonna lead us in a song as we close this service. We're gonna sing unto the Lord about his great love for us. And if you're here today and you've got a special need that you'd like to receive prayer for, it would be an absolute honor and privilege for you to meet me right down front here. I'd love the opportunity to pray with you. But all over this house, as we close out this service this morning, can can we just sing, sing loud, grateful, thankful for the love that God has lavishly bestowed on us through his son, Jesus. Let's worship the Lord together thank you for joining us we hope you were inspired by the message for more information visit www.thechristwalk.com